There are so many things wrong with the evidence in Donna's homicide. It feels like a never-ending task to document each one properly. One thing that never seems to get enough attention is the notepad that was photographed with Oscar's invoice book near Donna's bike. Look at the photo in the gallery, which was taken by TCSO Johnson at about 9.45 p.m. on 12-26-75. The photo shows four items, Oscar's blue invoice book, a half-sheet piece of carbon paper for the duplicates in the invoice book, a white jotter notepad next to the invoice book under the carbon paper, and the evidence stand prepared by Johnson. The jotter notepad had three used pages, all with numbers. There were no latent prints inside or outside the notepad. This is TCSO Bird Report, December 29, 1975. Approximately two feet east of the front wheel of the bicycle was a blue book, which had the name Invoice Book, Duplicate, 50 Sheets. Laying just approximately two inches east of this book was a white notepad type book with some figuring which appeared to be problems of multiplication, one problem being a longer series type problem than the first. When Johnson collected the items, he put them all into one paper bag and did not mention the notepad in his report. The bag was turned over to TCSO Hart, who gave them to TCSO Hensley at the crime lab at 10.50 p.m. Hensley logged the items into evidence as numbers 83 to 85. Hensley testified at trial that the notepad was negative for prints, and that's consistent with his report dated January 2, 1976. According to the chain of custody card, only the invoice book was taken to the grand jury. The only mention of the notepad and carbon paper at grand jury was by TCSO Bird, who was asked to identify items in a photo of Donna's bike. Powell ignored the mention of the notepad, and Bird only answered questions about the invoice book. The notepad was never sent to Morton's lab or to the state crime lab for examination. Neither TCSO nor Powell ever tried to assert that the Jotter notepad belonged to Oscar, which seems odd. If Oscar's invoice book had been accidentally dropped out of the truck at the scene or was thrown out by Donna, shouldn't the item next to it belong to Oscar too? The handwriting did not match the invoice book, and Oscar denied all knowledge of the notepad. Again, there was never any argument on that point. TCSO never once claimed that it belonged to Oscar. In fact, TCSO and Powell didn't seem to want to talk about the notepad at all. Not only did they fail to introduce it to the grand jury, they didn't even bring it to the courthouse during the trial. As with all things Ray Donahue, he almost completely ignored the notepad, its ownership, and the fact that Powell never entered it into evidence. Since it did not belong to Oscar and was found directly on or next to the invoice book, it was highly exculpatory. It pointed to someone other than Oscar being at the bike scene. There were almost no mentions of the notepad during the testimony at trial. Don Richmond testified on June 25th that he did not see the notepad, only the invoice book and the sheet of carbon paper. Powell was careful not to ask Don about it on direct examination. However, Donahue pushed Don several times on cross. Don totally refused to admit that the notepad was there despite looking right at it in the photo he was asked to verify. 
He insisted that he only saw the invoice book and an empty wine bottle near the bike. Given that he said he couldn't remember something that he could clearly see in front of him, it feels likely that Powell coached him to deny the presence of the notepad as much as possible. Donahue gave up and moved on without making his point to the jury. David Richmond, Donna's brother, testified after Don Richmond, and he immediately mentioned the notepad. Although David offered that he saw the notepad, Powell completely ignored that comment and only asked him about the invoice book. On cross, Donahue seemed more interested. Defense counsel Donahue questioning David Richmond at trial on June 25, 1976. Now, David, as I understand it, there was what you described as a notepad laying there beside the or near the invoice book. Is that correct? Yes. Did you look at it? I didn't touch it. Okay. Did you... You were carrying a flashlight, were you not? Yes. Did you flash the light on it and take a look at it at least? I was doing all of this by the light of the car when I picked up the invoice book. Can you describe the notepad when you saw it there? It was just one of those 10-cent jobs you get down at the dime store for figuring up figures. White. White paper? Probably red adhesive on the ends to hold it together. Was there any writing or figures in the notepad that you observed? There was a few figures. So, at first David insisted that he saw the notepad by the invoice book, but didn't touch it. That immediately fell apart when he let slip that it had white pages and some figures written inside. So clearly, he either picked it up or was given enough information to describe it. Looking over everything with a fresh eye, it appears that Donahue was not aware that the notepad was found with the invoice book until David Richmond's testimony. We have all of Donahue's handwritten notes, and it's very clear from those that Donahue did not realize the importance of the notepad and its location prior to the trial. During David Richmond's testimony, Donahue wrote and underlined notepad, where, figures, and then made a note next to Brian Johnson's name that was also underlined that said, ask for notepad. He also added another double underlined reference to the notepad in the margin from the first day of Johnson's testimony. The only other mentions of the notepad came during the testimony of TCSO Johnson and Hensley. Again, this was in context of the photo of the invoice book near Donna's bike that's in our gallery. On June 25th, Johnson testified that is how the notepad was placed when he arrived at the scene, took the photos, and put the invoice book, notepad, and carbon paper into a paper bag and gave the bag to TCSO Hart. Donahue asked that the notepad be brought to court and put into evidence. Later that day, TCSO Hensley confirmed to Donahue that the notepad had no fingerprints inside or out. Johnson was back on the stand on the 28th, but he still didn't have the notepad, and he was sent back to the crime lab to retrieve it. So, to be perfectly clear, TCSO had to be repeatedly asked to bring a critical piece of evidence found with the invoice book and bike to court. Powell did not introduce the notepad into evidence and did not question any of the witnesses about it. When Johnson finally came back to court with the notepad, he identified it as the item he photographed next to the invoice book under the carbon paper. Donahue then asked for the notepad to be introduced into evidence in the case, which it was. What is totally crazy about all of that is that there was zero follow-up from Donahue. 
So he finally established that the notepad was found within an inch or two of the invoice book, had no fingerprints, and it was an item of evidence in the case. He should have immediately asked TCSO Johnson what kind of investigation was conducted into the ownership of the notepad. Johnson would have said he had no idea because he never handled it again after he put it in the bag and gave it to TCSO Hart at the bike scene. Obviously, Donahue should have recalled TCSO Bird to the stand and asked him if he investigated where the notepad was sold and who might have bought it. Also, how it ended up with the invoice book if it didn't come out of Oscar's truck. Did Bird have a theory about how the invoice book and notepad had been wiped off if they were accidentally dropped at the scene? The jury didn't hear any of that. Nothing. Instead, this was the only exchange between Donahue and Bird on the items by the bike. Donahue. Other than the bicycle and a couple of tire tracks, bicycle or vehicle, and the two sets of tennis shoes, was there anything else there at that scene? And an invoice book, of course. Bird. I think that around in the general area, there was some wine or beer bottles. I don't recall exactly what they were at this time. There are two things that are striking about that testimony. One is that Bird totally lied about the presence of the notepad. He not only saw it at the scene, but he identified it in a photo to the grand jury. Bird was looking at the same photo when Donahue asked that question at trial. So, Bird and Don Richmond both denied seeing the notepad, but mentioned a wine bottle. There were no wine bottles at the scene. It's the kind of specific small wording detail that makes Don Richmond's testimony look coached. Why did Donahue allow Bird to lie about the presence of the notepad instead of pushing him to explain the lack of investigation of that critical exculpatory evidence? We have no idea. When Oscar was on the witness stand the next week, Donahue asked him if the notepad was his, if he'd ever seen it before, or knew how it got with the invoice book. Oscar said no to all. Powell did not follow up, ask Oscar about the notepad, or ever, at any time during the case, tried to assert that it belonged to Oscar or to his truck. Again, Donahue really needed to make his points about the notepad when he was cross-examining the TCSO officers. Everyone agreed that it didn't belong to Oscar, but at no point did the jury hear testimony that it belonged to someone else, either the real killer or an alternate person that the killer was trying to frame. Why was it there? To whom did it belong? Where was it purchased? No matter what, that notepad pointed away from Oscar and the state's entire theory of a kidnapping at the bike scene. The fact that the notepad did not come out of Oscar's truck should have made it clear to the jury that the invoice book was planted, not accidentally dropped. There are probably a few good reasons why Donahue missed the importance of the notepad prior to trial. The most obvious to us is that Donahue was very focused on the list of evidence sent to Morton's lab. He didn't seem to understand until the trial was underway that there were items of evidence that were not on Morton's evidence receipts. Donna's pants, the invoice book, the notepad, and carbon paper seemed to be the only items that came up at trial that were not sent to or examined by Morton's lab. Additionally, TCSO Johnson's report from the bike scene had no mention of seeing the notepad, and it was not included in Johnson's list of items taken into evidence on the 26th. 
The chain of custody card wasn't given to the defense until 2001, so Donahue didn't see the notepad there. DCSO Hensley's fingerprint report only identified the notepad as an item of evidence, with no mention of where it was collected. Donahue would have had no idea until the blown-up photo of the invoice book was shown at trial, and there was the notepad sitting right next to the invoice book. All of this meant that neither Donahue nor Pettyjohn investigated the notepad and were wholly unprepared to question TCSO about the notepad at trial. It appears highly likely that this confusion was intentional. Johnson did not include it in his bike scene report, and Powell didn't list it as an exhibit to be entered into evidence. The presence of the notepad could have been a huge smoking gun for the defense. It should have been one of the centerpieces of the defense case for reasonable doubt, but it ended up being nothing more than a passing comment. At the last minute, during closing arguments, was the only time Donahue raised the notepad to the jury. Donahue. But we have the other little notebook there, and I don't know who that belongs to either. And I can find no... It appears to me that there has been very little effort to try to ascertain who might have owned that book. But there's a notebook there, the little notepad, I should say, to distinguish it from the invoice book. The only thing I can say is that if it belonged to Mr. Clifton, he might as well have said, yes, that's mine, because the invoice book is his. There was writing there, numbers. I showed them to him, as you recall, and he said, they mean nothing to me. Was any effort made to find out if they meant something to some other person who was at the scene? None that I know of. So it's possible that that little notepad, the notepad, does belong to some third person, and maybe the same third person who put the invoice book there. That's the only thing I can tell you, and this is purely conjecture on my part, because I have no facts upon which to back up what I'm saying. So that's the only explanation, and it's not much, but that's all I can say about it how the invoice book got there. And I don't know how the notepad got there either. And so far as the evidence is concerned, evidently no one in this room knows. Obviously, this is infuriating to read. Nobody on the planet would want to have their defense attorney make a critical, exculpatory point about the evidence and then say they have no facts to back it up. It was not only malpractice and totally unnecessary, it wasn't even true. It is undisputed that the notepad was found with the invoice book next to the bike and that it did not belong to Oscar. Those are facts, not conjecture, and they prove that another person was at the bike scene. Not only is that logical, but neither TCSO nor Powell offered any other explanation for the notepad. Donahue should have aggressively offered it as proof that Oscar was framed by the real killer. There is simply no other explanation for the notepad's presence at the scene. It's obvious that Powell knew that the notepad was exculpatory evidence that pointed away from Oscar accidentally dropping the invoice book during a kidnapping. He clearly tried to hide it from the jury and coached witnesses not to mention it when asked. TCSO Johnson had to be told multiple times to retrieve it from the crime lab and bring it to court. Even after all of that, Powell never asked one question about the notepad or even acknowledged its existence at trial. However, since neither side made it seem important, the jury likely ignored it. 
So how did the notepad end up next to Donna's bike in Oscar's invoice book? The most simple explanation is that the real killer staged the bike scene to look like a kidnapping and planted both the invoice book and the notepad. This would have served at least three different purposes. It added to the appearance that there had been a struggle near the bike and items had fallen from a vehicle. It gave TCSO clues to follow that diverted their attention from the Lee house, Donna's route home, and Neil Ranch. And it confused the investigation by pointing towards two different possible suspects, Oscar and the owner of the notepad. It's also possible that a TCSO officer took the invoice book and notepad from the two trucks parked in Oscar's driveway and planted them by the bike to create probable cause for the search and arrest warrants. That would mean that the notepad belonged to Carter or someone associated with his truck and would explain why Bird directed TCSO Johnson to ignore most of the tire tracks at the bike scene. We can think of one other possible explanation. The killer accidentally dropped his own notepad while he was planting the invoice book. This seems like a long shot because it's likely that the killer would notice that he dropped something. However, we've given this idea another look based on Gary Bardoni's story about D'Angelo coming into the auto parts store and asking him for price quotes. Gary clearly remembered and described D'Angelo writing down prices in a small jotter notepad he carried with him. That made us go back and look at the writing on the notepad. Oscar typed most of his letters, but we were able to find some number samples from his handwritten ones. It's easy to see why Oscar was quickly eliminated as the owner of the notepad. He had very distinctive extra loops on his threes, twos, and fives. He also made his four with a closed triangle and his eight as two stacked circles. The notepad has open-topped fours and proper figure eights. We also compared the notepad pages to one of D'Angelo's police reports. Clearly, he can't be quickly eliminated based on his handwriting. You can see all of those images for yourself in the gallery. There are things that make sense about this theory and some big problems. We have direct confirmation that D'Angelo carried and used that type of notepad, and it would have been common for members of law enforcement in the 1970s. Gary also described D'Angelo using it in a way to make it look like he was taking down prices, but not with any real intent or meaning. That certainly fits with the nonsensical figures in the notepad. If Donna's bike was planted off list, it would have happened after 5 p.m. in the dark. Did the killer accidentally pick up the invoice book and his own notepad and put them down together? Did he drop the notepad in the dark and just not see it? Did he fail to notice the notepad because it was covered by the loose sheet of carbon paper? It's possible. The killer also could have been startled away by lights, an approaching vehicle, or a noise. D'Angelo accidentally dropped pre-tied bindings at both the Majori homicide and the failed Danville attack, and the loot he was carrying at the McGowan confrontation. Getting away is the only thing that matters in the moment. We also wonder if this could explain why Bird and Powell never tried to tie the notepad to Oscar or his truck. The notepad was fairly specific, with a red glue binding rather than wire spirals. 
Did Bird recognize the notepad as likely belonging to a member of law enforcement? Did he assume that one of his officers had been sloppy and accidentally contaminated the crime scene? That would explain the efforts to hide the notepad from the defense and jury. This would be consistent with the fact that Bird and Powell went out of their way to try to make it appear that the invoice book was good, uncontaminated evidence. We've covered this in detail before, but the inconsistencies in the statements about the invoice book are glaring and nonsensical. Neither the Richmonds nor the original reporting officers mentioned the invoice book in their statements or reports. It's clear that Byrd became concerned about that discrepancy, and he attempted to balance two competing priorities. He wanted to prove that the invoice book was really there when the bike was found, but he also tried to prove that it hadn't been touched, tampered with, or moved. That has left us unable to sort out the real truth of the matter. In January 1976, Byrd ordered a supplemental report taken from the Richmonds to cover the fact that they had not mentioned the invoice book in their original statements. In that report, it states that neither David nor Don Richmond touched the invoice book, and that was Don's testimony at trial. David was very flustered on the stand. He made it through direct examination by Powell, but fell apart during Donahue's cross and said he looked through the invoice book and put it back down on the ground. However, David's fingerprints were not on the invoice book or notepad, and that casts real doubt on his story. Defense counsel Donahue questioning David Richmond at trial on June 25th, 1976. Just picked it up, opened it, looked in some of the two or three of the names, closed it again, found out it wasn't Donna's, and put it back on the ground. Powell really wanted the jury to see Johnson's photo of the invoice book near the bike, but in order to have it admitted, he needed to prove that the photo matched the scene as originally found by the Richmonds. If items had been moved, replaced, or manipulated in any way, the photo wasn't evidence related to the crime scene, it was just a staged photo. We have no doubt that the photo was staged, by Bird, but we're not sure of much beyond that. Don Richmond said that he saw the invoice book closer to the hard, oiled road surface, not down in the dirt by the bike, and he didn't see the notepad. David said he couldn't remember exactly where he found the invoice book or put it down again. We honestly aren't sure if the invoice book and notepad were at the scene when the bike was first found, but if they were, it seems clear that they were picked up and moved before Johnson took the photo later that night. The jury ignored all of the discrepancies and accepted the photo as evidence of a fresh kidnapping scene. However, it could have been a problem for them if they had learned that the notepad had been dropped by a police officer who had responded to the scene. It makes sense that if Bird had suspected it was a law enforcement-issued notepad, he would have tried to hide that fact from Powell, Donahue, and the jury. This would explain why the state never tried to tie it to Oscar. It was safer not to discuss it at all. In the end, if Bird developed other reasons to suspect D'Angelo, the notepad could have been seen as troubling proof that pointed to the real killer. That leaves us with one hole in the theory. The lack of fingerprints. If the notepad were dropped accidentally, where were the prints? We can only imagine one possible explanation. 
that Bird wiped off the notepad so its true ownership couldn't come back to an officer at the scene. If it was too late to make the notepad disappear, it would have been better to make it impossible to identify. All we know for certain is that the notepad did not belong to Oscar or his truck, and it is exculpatory evidence that points away from Powell's theory that the invoice book was accidentally dropped by Donna's bike. The fact that Powell did not introduce the notepad into evidence or mention it during trial supports it as evidence of actual innocence. The notepad was either planted by or accidentally dropped at the scene by Donna's killer and Bird ordered it destroyed at 2.30 p.m. on February 28, 1977.